the opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Stinky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. All right, everyone. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. This week, I have Marley Monroe. Um, if uh, that name doesn't mean anything to you yet, it will by the time this conversation is over. Marley Monroe is a female vocalist that just holds everything in, in the dichotomy. She has just released a record called Black Acid Soul that uh, lives up to the name, and she does it under the moniker of the larger-than-life voice and character of Lady Blackbird. So if you want to imagine a beautiful, powerful, ominous, all-seeing kind of... uh, always there to haunt you uh that's what this woman is she's nothing short of amazing and i was told she was like nina simone meets grace jones and let me tell you she lives up to that so everybody i'm gonna kick this one off with the song lady blackbird prepare to just have some really difficult feelings come climbing to the top and enjoy it. Uh, This is Lady Blackbird off of the Black Acid Soul album by uh, Marley Monroe. Let's all sit back and do the Sticky Jazz. Why wanna fly Blackbird You ain't ever gonna fly Why you wanna fly, blackbird? You ain't ever gonna fly No place big enough for holding All the tears you're gonna cry Cause your mama's name was lonely And your daddy's name was pain And they called you little sorrow Cause you'll never love again Why you wanna fly Blackbird You ain't ever gonna fly Why you wanna fly Blackbird You ain't got no one to 
Okay, everybody, welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks in Salt Lake City, Utah. And this week we have the goddess that cannot be described other than the goddess Marley Monroe. Uh, <laughs> this week she is of the larger than life character, uh, Lady Blackbird. Welcome to the show, Marley. That was, uh, that was a hell of an intro. Thank you for that. <laughs> It's great being here. <laughs> so here's here's what happened, right? Um, I don't know if you know the band Underworld, but uh, they're one of my faves. And I was listening to one of their epic three-hour concerts, right? Yeah. Just working away. And there was this heavy electronica just pounding, just great stuff. And... Uh, everybody over at your publicity group, they know that I'm a crazy ass Grace Jones fan. <laughs> In fact, I think I'm the I, I, I I've the only straight white male Grace Jones fan that I know of. I've been told that there are others. OK, oh, so your publicist, Jim, God bless that guy. He sends me a message yeah. saying, hey, I got this one. She's queer. She is Nina Simone meets Grace Jones. <laughs> now, we all love Nina Simone. Like, we all just, you know. But I, I said, okay, if he dropped Grace Jones in there, I, I pushed pause on the underworld. I you did. Like, I pushed pause. So I was like, okay. And I wrote him back. You have my attention. And uh, I'm probably going to be calling bullshit here real soon. But thank you. I'll get back to you. And that was what I wrote. Like I'm, I'm calling bullshit right now. No, that's a tall. Oh my order. god, that's yeah. fucking great. I said this is a very tall order. So I, I sent it back. But they, they know me over at your group, Big Hassle. They know me. I'm like right, the most right. obnoxious. I'm. I have no tact. I have no patience. I when I want something, I just barrel through. I, I just you know that's just me with those guys. Like me. <laughs> so when, when he said when he said all right well i'm going to, to say when he said that grace jones i was like oh i'm calling bullshit okay so i said i'll get back to you and then he gets a one-line message 38 seconds in 
I'm in love. Yes, I'm approved. You approved. And then, and then I razzed him for days trying to line this up. And then you had to go to England and then you got sick. And I'm like, you know, Jim, I, I don't have any patience. And he's like, oh, yeah, the no patience and the no tax thing. Yes, that's right, me. Right. I'm like, okay, so um, it, it, they they're used to me. They know me. They know how to handle me is just put up with Jeremy shit because he I'm, I'm kind of relentless if I really fall in love with an artist. And what did they send you? What did you what did you hear? What did you play? He just gave me the record, Lady Blackberry. Oh, he gave you the record. Okay. okay. <laughs> and so I just took it and ran with it and was like, oh man, I love this. Um, and it was, I mean, he's he's given me like, look, there's Bob Mould. I don't know if you know who Bob Mould is. He was the lead singer of Husker Du. He's the greatest guitarist ever. I mean, Bob Mould buries Jimi Hendrix and all that. I love, and he's got Bob. So I'm like, hey, man, what you got on Bob? He's always helping me to interview Bob and stuff. And uh, so they, they're always giving me good people. But when they hand me something new like this, it's just outstanding. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So where are you actually from? I'm trying to pinpoint your accent there. Uh, <laughs> I'm from a tiny little town in, in the Southwest, you know, Albuquerque, Santa Fe, uh, Mexico, uh, about, about three hours from there. Small little town called Farmington. <laughs> I, I know Farmington, New Mexico. Do you really? I do. Oh, wow. I, th I, think, I think you might be the only person that's ever actually <laughs> came back and said that they know it yeah, yeah I, I used to live in monticello utah and farmington new mexico is just right right across the redneck line there yeah oh wow well it's a small world after all <laughs> yeah but you you've got a sort of british accent so it's beautiful i'm like i've just oh, been told i over enunciate <laughs> So I, I, I've just, I went back through, I went back and forth with a lot of your work there, but you are in fact a larger than life persona. Seriously, uh, there you are. I'll get to that in a minute. Let me just say opening song, right? Which one? Blackbird's Flying. I started listening to it and this was like something very new for me because there was this powerful low sultry vocals that were just amazing but then the bass line it is like like some old like i don't know if you know who holly cole is do you know who she is mm -hmm. canadian jazz singer she's amazing but then suddenly you got these cellos coming in the really really low cello and bass that was in there yeah that was like only way to describe it was uh I found myself in the soundtrack of a horror film. <laughs> wow. Johnny Flower, yeah, he, he, he laid it down. He laid it down on that one. I'm like listening to this going, I'm in, like, it was, like, you know how you've got all the American, you got all these horror films with the screeching violins, right? And, <laughs> and, and that's how they all were. And then this is all of a sudden, this like lower tones, this is like, the only way to describe the, the the it was just this really low Americanist decomposing American Gothic horror film sound in there <laughs> as jazz. 
And I was like, I was like, man, I was in love. But how did she pull all of that together? And then the the, the lyrics, your mama's name was lovely and your daddy's name was lovely. pain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mama's name was lonely and your daddy's name was pain. Um, like this is like, so I felt like I was already in this dark horror film story like that, you know? And I mean, there was the and you know, what, a great way, what a great way to describe it. <laughs> wow. but, but okay, but then I, I mean, like, I, and th then I went back and listened again. And I was like, okay, and yo, know, dad is rich, and your mother's good looking. So hush, little baby, don't you cry. You know that. <laughs> but I'm like, how? So she's telling the story, Lady Blackbird, all this darkness, and just pushing this horror film vibe. And that was what I just felt the whole story of the record was was just this. It's just like horror film jazz that I've never heard before. It's like you invented this new genre. I'm love. I'm loving. I'm sorry. I'm loving your explanation of everything. <laughs> I, I'm in love. I'm like. I'm like pestering Jim. He's like, dude, Jeremy. We'll get her on when we can. Jeez, leave me alone. I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start using that horror jazz. I love it. <laughs> well, it's what it is. It was just you know. Can I take it? <laughs> Am I allowed? absolutely you can steal that oh, oh fucking jazz i love it yeah yeah <laughs> like um well I, I i have another term that i came up with later i'll get to that but yeah it was like because i well i came up on horror films for a long time i was like a horror film junkie you know yeah and then I, I come across like, and it, they all just got so bad where it was all about the gore and not the psychological shit anymore. It was just right. gore and slasher and that, right? So I haven't really done horror for a long time, but your stuff could be like in this kind of the new vibe, like not even American horror story, but kind of this walking dead world business in there, which I will get to that because you handle that post-apocalypse shit very well and you know what I'm going to talk about. Oh, God, well, thank you. You know where that's coming from. You know the post-apocalypse line that I'm coming to. But it's just like the decomposing American Gothic was just this underbelly of that great record. The dark underpinnings of it all. I felt this social commentary as well of a young black man in this bad, dark horror film situation, right? Were there, I mean, the social commentary on that a little bit, that, that was just rolling through the whole record as well. What was the story in that? It's like, I, I described you as somebody as, she's like Adele, but really fucking intense. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the story. You know, this, this album, exactly that is what we were trying to do, is, is just to create... Um, this fusion, really, you know, of past genres, music that I love, you know, music that I sang, that have all kind of built me as an as an artist, and and really just bring all of those worlds together and try to create something unique, you know, and and original. Um, so that's where it started, you know. My producer, Chris Seafried, uh, when we when we first started uh, this, you know, this whole kind of project, he was saying black ass and soul. He would kept tagging, you know, black ass, hashtagging uh, black ass and soul, black ass and soul, black ass and soul, you know, because it was and it, so it was meant to be a, meaning just a, a, a collective, a fusion, you know, sound. And 
shit, little did we know, you know, album's done and we're looking for a name. And we're like, because I used to love it when he would hashtag. I said, that's so fucking cool. And so we were looking for a name. We're like, Black Ass and Soul. <laughs> Remember, we thought that was so cool. As a hashtag. <laughs> and that's where it came. It was simple as that. <laughs> wow. It was simple as that, but yeah. Well, yeah. there you are. I mean, this this record is a masterpiece, and some of it had a good feel. Like, like there was some that I remember going. I remember feeling this way in a really depressed state, turning on Miles Davis, a kind of blue, and just you know, just taking it right, you know, and then, yeah some of the same feelings i went and saw this is just like really fucking crazy i went and saw this um not 20 years ago i just moved back from france when we went and saw this the um the miles oh, davis what's that you, you moved you just moved back from france at the time that this happened oh, yeah, at the time. And, yeah we went and we saw um a uh, a new orleans black ballet company doing Porgy and Bess with the Miles Davis orchestra recording of it, right? And I remember the set. I remember watching everything there. And I, I just, the feelings that you, you never got just watching the musical or anything, but to see it performed like that, ballet, no words. Yeah. And just to the Miles Davis being Miles Davis. And I remember those feelings and the darkness and the power and just that. And so listening to this record, you brought all that back. I go, I remember feeling exactly this way watching that performance. Wow. And so, again, you are larger than life. You're amazing. And so that was when I heard that, I was like, um, OK, I'm sold. And uh, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite on the record? On, on the album, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, fix it. Fix it, an original. Well, let me explain why. And I'm as this is this is you. I mean, I'm gonna explain it, but I'm gonna ask you this. Okay, it felt very nurturing, and in, in the phase of a terrible life that somebody's living, not terrible by their own choices, maybe, but just that things have gone to shit, right? somebody's having a difficult life as very nurturing and i feel that in the song but also you shouldn't care right the line shouldn't care when you're lost without a clue it's like there was so much pain in that song pain and comfort yeah right pain and comfort pain and but comfort. you're 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 trying to you're you're why are you trying to make a difference? You know, there's pain and it's a very caring song. It's, I love you unconditionally. I'm helping you. It's not that I'm bothered to help you. I just know that I probably shouldn't be, but I love you. And that's why I'm helping you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's very dark. There's a lot of pain in there. But yeah. it's, I love you unconditionally. That's why I'm doing this. Not like this is going to make any difference. 
but I'm doing this anyway, right? Yeah, it doesn't always make sense, you know? Sometimes, sometimes you just... <laughs> but that was what I got. What was the story in that song, please? Who was hurting? Oh, if this be on my business, you can tell me, but I, I think we're at that point. I can <laughs> yes. say, who was hurting when you wrote that song? Who was it? You know, that is the story. It, it, it definitely the, the story of comfort and pain. Um, because I'd you know, say you're burying your heart on your sleeve, but you, I can see your heart on your chest, actually, right? Yeah. Now. But yes. No one's ever asked me who was hurting in that song, and now now I got to actually go back and think of when I was writing it and kind of re recall how I was feeling at that moment. Because in such, you know, sometimes you're writing a song and, and sometimes it is, you know, exactly who it is, you know, and, and it's coming from maybe something that's, that's happening at the time. And sometimes you pick up inspiration from other people or things and you're not necessarily, you know, hurting at all or, or you're the one in the story, you know. Or maybe you're singing somebody else's story. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get back to you on that one, and I'm gonna go back and think and relive that that fix it writing session moment and, and see who, who it was. <laughs> maybe it was me. You were, no. Somebody was hurting, and you were resigned to it. And you said, "I'm helping you because I love you. There's no other reason. It might not even work. Probably won't." But I'm sticking through this because I love you. That was what it was, yeah. was like, man. Yeah, yeah. So that was my fave song on the record. True love. <laughs> so beautiful number. That was a beautiful Thank number. You. And then five feet tall. That was fucking morbid. Oh, that's oh. my favorite. That's yeah, my well, favorite. it was again. We're talking death and horror film shit here, and there you are <laughs> with five feet tall. Ah, and five feet, the cinders, the trees, all it needs my heroin. Let me burn like let me go burn like the fire. We kind of went a bit deep with that. And that song came so fucking quick and just fast. That song, we weren't even I was leaving the studio. Chris pulls out his guitar and he just kind of starts, you know, just plucking some shit. I said, ooh, that is nice. And I said, keep playing that. Keep playing it. And it, it just came out of my mouth. Towards my heart, burn my soul. Bags of cinders, five feet tall. He goes, yes. Yeah, keep doing that. Keep, <laughs> keep doing going, that. keep going. And, and we put our bags back down and we sat back down and we were like, okay, we're on to something. And like, you know, 30 minutes later, we have, we have five feet tall. Another sad one, you know, really. Like, <laughs> but, but it came so quickly. And um, being in the other original, yeah, that that's my favorite. I go back and forth all the time, but I always end up five feet tall. And you know, we were we were joking because we were going. I said five feet tall. I said fuck, I'm five foot two. I said so. But by this song, I cut my ass two inches. But five five feet two just didn't sound <laughs> didn't sound as good. Right, you're five foot two, yeah. No, okay. Five foot two, five foot two, no. <laughs> so, um, wow. Okay, I, I again, I, I fell in love with your record, and you, you have me right there. You, you totally. I am, I am sold my soul on your music, and I went and looked up your other work online, 
You opened at the Lakers game. Congratulations. There you were, you know, punk and mohawk and stuff. That was <laughs> yeah. She sang the national anthem better than Whitney Houston did. God. I think I, I I think they I think they kind of jumped my my ass about the dress later because I guess it was a little bit more <laughs> you know and I had I had I was covered underneath and I had a jacket on, but apparently it was a. I, I thought that was funny. I'm like, obviously you were getting your start and that was your first big one. So congratulations on that. What? Oh, thank you. Uh, I got to tell you, man, the, uh, so yeah, the Patty LaBelle hair, right? You, I mean, you are flying your freak flag high and I love that about you. Uh, I, I can't get enough of it, but your performance at Wasteland. All right. I now know, I'd never even heard of that. I'm like, I should have heard of that. That's the craziest, most absurd, raunchy, rude, bastard, tech, punk, <laughs> end of the world, dystopian thing. I, I loved all things Mad Max anyway. So there you are performing at Wasteland. I'm like, well, now I know where I'm going next fall. I, I mean, I never heard of it until I saw you there. And I'm like, that is so amazing. You were amazing there. You were it. You were auntie in that. You know, like I thought, <laughs> well, if Tina Turner just come out of retirement, there we are. And so Wasteland, like, I mean, how did you get into performing at that insane, barbarically awesome <laughs> world? That was, well, it was cool. Anyway, this is like Burning Man, but for the savage. And it was just it wonderful. Is. And I had, never, I had never heard of it. That actually came about, I was singing at this club here in Los Angeles called Sassafras. This was years ago. Um, and the guy that runs it was there and leaves me this card, you know, like, hey, be interested in you coming out performing. We, you know, put on this, I put on this thing, blah, 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 waistline, here's my card. So it's okay. But, and, and mind you, I'm doing a, sassafras cover gig is probably like a sunday night you know and i'm doing i'm doing fucking like cover songs i'm like you know a couple of tinas a couple of shakas stevie wonder you know you know uh give me give me one reason tracy chapman you know i'm not doing you know like rock rock there and i remember i went home and i looked it up to see what it was about and i was like Oh, okay. this is really fucking cool. But like, how does he want me there? <laughs> you heard me sing, give me, give me one reason. You know? I said, what would I even sing there? And so it took me a minute to say yes. It took me a while because I was trying to figure out what the fuck I would do. And show like that, looking at other, you know, past performances. And then I thought, this is just too this is too interesting and too cool. I can't, I can't pass it up. Fucking say yes, and then I'll figure out a show later. So I accepted the gig, and that first year, oh my god, you just—it's—it's it's so out in the middle of nowhere. You don't see it at all, and you gotta like—you're kind of off-roading uh, or doomed by being there. So you go all the way, and all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, the the little, and they build. They, they built, built part of town. Yeah, they built it. Yeah, they, yeah, they they really did. <laughs> and 
and they're out there for you know four or five days yeah i i i'd never heard of it till i saw that live at wasteland i'm like what is this and i went and i i clicked on the link read about it I'm like, oh my god this is so cool and so i mean but the fact that you the fact that you performed it there dressed like that with all that was just like <laughs> this this woman's got it you know both both years yeah the outfits were uh were not you know, the weather on this this the last year that i performed uh because i did two years in a row that one we, i got a few extra people to go I'm like you got to check out this you know this thing he's coming he's coming let's go and it was so fucking windy. It was so windy. Even the people that, you know, were there were going, we, we, I, we've never in all the years this has been happening. I've ever seen it this windy. They didn't even know what to do. So I'm getting like, we're getting sandblasted. You know, you try to sing, OP about get a whole fucking mouth of dirt. And they can't light the fire, the, 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 what do you call it? Uh, spark, dazzle. Nobody can do this shit. And you know, I'm trying like half naked up there, and I'm coming in on the top of a of a sand rail of a dune buggy, and I'm on top, and you know, winds shocking me off, blasted and dead. So it was uh, it was quite the time, and it was freezing. <laughs> it was so cold. But you know, it, Wasteland is always makes something interesting. <laughs> well, when I write your biography, Dan, I'll have to get a little more details on that. So, um, I'll give them to you. I got some good ones. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm I'm a fan. I, I I I'll plug for you anytime that I can. But I totally want to go to that. So, I, I I look at your videos out there. Right there, you are shaven head, punk as fuck. You know. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, you're, you're quite, so you're out now. You have no problem saying I'm this black queer punk woman. I'm going to, I mean, I'm looking, I, and I wrote Jim, I was like, she got kicked my ass. She probably would. <laughs> it's like, so, you know, and so obviously 180 degrees different than the gospel scene that you grew up in um talk a little bit about that if you could like i mean that must have been like the change the shift when did that begin to become you know uh lady blackbird from the gospel church singing girl marley monroe i mean how did the uh, what, what what was the beginning of the end for that the beginning of the end it was probably it's all it was always the end you know but you start as you know young if you're brought up or raised how you are, you know, and, and you don't even know to question. You just kind of roll into it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, and eventually, you know, the older you get, the more you start figuring shit out and how, how, how it makes you feel or, you know, asking the questions and then going, okay, well, why do I believe in this? Do I believe in this? You know, what's for you? Um, I, I probably started realizing and paying more attention. I would say about 
14, 15, 15, which is actually quite late, you know. Um, but yeah, I guess I was just rolling on autopilot till about then. <laughs> and, and you realized Christian music is not for me. <laughs> this is for me. So that's that was exactly it. I was just like, yeah, I, I, I don't think I could, to, to, you know, do this anymore. Not legitimately, you know, you, you got to believe it, what you're selling. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just, you know, you realize you live, you learn, you grow, you, you know, shit happens. See, yeah, I, I kind of quit um, and just started trying to figure out who, you know, what the hell who I am, you know, want to be or what do I want? Yeah. So, and so you decided I'm not singing gospel music. I'm going this route, which was, I mean, anything you want to do. It's been rather amazing. I mean, your your covers of like the the Tears for Fears, Mad World. You know how how he did it in Donnie Darko, very different than the original version. I love love singing that one. Yeah, that was wonderful. Your your Concrete Blonde. I mean, you're so versatile. You oh, are. you went back, back. <laughs> I loved. I oh yeah. If I'm gonna get into, I go all listen to everything, man. And so I'm like listening to this, going, wow, this is really, really. She's versatile. She's not just singing soul, or she's not just singing this type to sound this way, or you know, rhythm and blues. You know, you're throwing punk in there. You're throwing this dark old indies. You know. And I love it. I love it all. I and do. then you did that god-awful Sinead O'Connor slash Prince, nothing compares to you, <laughs> of every song on this planet that never should have been, like, whoever pushed record at that moment for Prince, and then it went out, never should have done that. That's, like, the worst song ever. I hate It's like, it's <laughs> do like, you really? oh, gosh. Yeah. Now, this thing, I loved Sinead O'Connor before she even had a record, Okay. She she did a song with you too on uh, a the oh, soundtrack. She did the song with you too on a very bad soundtrack. Well, sorry, a great soundtrack to a bad movie called Captive, where she just sang. It's called Heroin, and it's an amazing, beautiful song. I mean, it's like yo, you go listen to that; it'll rip your guts out. I fell in love with that. She was seventeen. I loved that when she did it. Thought it was great. And then her, her first record was amazing, and then that one this. It's been seven hours and 13. I was like, what? You know, that's I, awful. Like, I love that song. I, <laughs> I hated it. And, and it's like, just so, because compared to it, well, it's just, it's just like, you know, chew on light bulbs. I hate it anyway, <laughs> but compare it to any other work by Sinead O'Connor or Prince for that matter. Like, why did that even happen? Because the, what those two have put out other, everything else you know so i'm like why do people like that song i'm not ripping on you i'm just saying you know like that song on the whole sure like, sure that, that song on the whole is a just a you probably you know. were thinking you probably were thinking oh yeah lady blackbird she's pretty cool and you're all sold about to give the stamp of approval and then you keep scrolling like fuck. hey we all make mistakes and she hey, did we... nothing competitive and you and you retracted <laughs> you were scrubbing that stuff <laughs> judging much <laughs> not quite i'm just saying <laughs> uh, you know if if you erased that from your catalog it would have you know it so 
um <laughs> like i put that up there with i'll be your crying shoulder uh whitney houston singing do you hear what i hear and ario speedwagons i can't fight this feeling anymore like all those just <laughs> never should have happened i just heard that in the car earlier coming home <laughs> See, if I hadn't have done nothing compares to you, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to say I'm I'm I was I'm almost on your shit list. <laughs> oh, you're far from it. You're far from it. It's like, hey, we all we all make mistakes, right? I mean, <laughs> but it so seriously, like all these great numbers out there. I, I just go, I just put play, I just watched. I was like, wow. You know, and there you are with your your hair waving and whipping around and just being so cool and tough and original and beautiful. I was like, this woman has she's just amazing. And I loved all of it. Really. It was you just really you're an amazing performer. But this this larger than life character, it was fabulous. Thank you. I, I love it all. You know, there's parts of all of that shit that I love. And it depends on your mood. You know, I don't know. some. Some mornings you wake up and you know feeling more rock and roll or punk or whatever you know whatever. You well, feel like Donnie and Marie Osmond, I'm just a little bit country. I'm just a little bit rock and roll. No, <laughs> yeah, you're neither, yeah. guys. Really. <laughs> Keep them guessing. So, um, but yeah, you so you were that versatile, and and that was great. Was um. I guess how how did the the family or world that you left behind how did they take it when you said uh oh, this isn't for me I'm gonna go and be this Marley Monroe character and not sing for the church I'm gay I'm gonna go and like take the world <laughs> on with like real beauty here and just you know um just because like or I don't know if you know you know the, the, the comedian Billy Connolly right um he he said Christians should stay out of rock and roll you know and he he explained he's like you know rock and roll is you know like it should be i am the devil and i want you know none of this like oh jesus <laughs> loves me you know I, just and i and i just think it's funny because of what you are now doing i just can't imagine the whole life. even a friend of mine sent me this one this morning there's this ska christian jesus is a friend of mine change change you know i was like oh, yeah. so i think like, where you came from to do this how did everyone i mean how was the family the world left behind how did they handle any or all of this you know we had there was rough moments you know there, were, there was definitely rough moments you raise your child you know a certain way and it did mind of mind of their own um yeah there was some rough moments there but ultimately you know you're gonna do what you're gonna do and so it just happens we've we've been able to work through through all of it though so you know some 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 rough transitioning moments but you know luckily everything smooth smooth back out and you know and all of all all of that from growing up singing in the church and um you know, knowing a little bit of, about that world as well. It's like this this just your journey, you know, part of it. Um yeah, so you just kind of scoop it all up, you know, on your on your track through life. <laughs> and then eventually sometimes it make makes start making sense. Hold on. Let's see how I can weave this. Maybe there's something in all of this. <laughs> 
I, you know, I, I think that you, I mean, you, you don't pull any punches. You're like, this is as real as it gets. This is who I am. Uh, with that, uh, oh, I, mean, I just can't get over it. Just some of that work was just, um, again, are you a horror film fan or is that just how you can just inspire? There was a, uh, Okay. Because if I would, if I would describe you, I would, this is what I would call you as Gothic jazz. That's how I describe it is that that you just you know you can instill pain very quickly when listening. It's just like I feel this intensity. I feel what this blackbird's gonna fly. I mean, this was there was so much in there. I did I mean I I, I don't even know where to start with how you delivered that. <laughs> But it's funny it's funny that you say got goth jazz. Or goth, you know, gospel. <laughs> we we were listening, to, and and a lot of like a lot of the album, like Black Ass and Soul, you know, from um, Beware the Stranger. Originally wanted Dead or Alive. We'll, we'll um, get there. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Slow down. I got that. That's no. coming. Go ahead. Oh yes. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> wait. Wait. Put the brakes on. But but even like you know, part of that is what we. What we kind of latched on to was, was like that kind of gospel sounding or that choir you know in the end kind of started building from that but gothic me and chris have a thing we would you know we'd listen to certain parts of it so that's why you kept saying gothic it's like we've said the same thing oh, it's kind of like a gothic gospel and so he goes yeah it's gospel <laughs> hey that's it yeah gothic gospel jazz You know, um, when I was going through reading about all this, I'm like, okay, we're going to say Nina Simone and I can give you that. I can give you, um, I can give you Grace Jones as well. Because, uh, yeah, but the the idea, tell, tell, tell us about, I know because I read it here, but Lady Blackbird, where does it come from? Lady Blackbird. It was as simple as Black Ass and Soul. Like there was really just, we were in the studio and we were listening down, you know, to Blackbird and in there trying to figure other songs for the album. And, you know, somebody said, oh, play Blackbird. And then I can't remember who said it. I think it was Chris said it. Said, oh, Blackbird, Lady Blackbird, that'd be a cool day. It was so simple like that. And I went, oh. I like that. <laughs> But it's it's a persona that's it it's a persona very different from Marley Monroe standing on the stage screaming, We don't need another hero, you know. Two men enter, one man leaves. That's one persona of you. <laughs> And then there's the there's there you are as Lady Blackbird, which is very intriguing and kind of scary at the same time, which was the point, because you know, the Blackbird always has this. <laughs> you know ominous vibe you know what i'm saying right that's the 
And so yeah, the black the, yeah the the lady has had to kind of pull back a bit. They're, she's always there, you know. They're always both there, both personas. But you know, sometimes you gotta pop the brakes a little on one. <laughs> I you know because a couple of those shows or whatever you know coming out you know butt naked or whatever. One of the wasteland performances I came out with a dildo, you know, it's like, okay, can't, can't necessarily be doing this, you know, the jazz thing with the dildo, yeah, it might not sell, it might not sell. I mean, take that a bit, yeah, hard to take that seriously, but... Uh... You know, I don't think no one would have bought it. <laughs> but, in those, but you were in character for a lot of those things, which was great, but... Uh, um, I, I guess that so they said that you you came on this you know six decades into the civil rights thing and the killing of George Floyd and all of that you know as as they said here that uh, protest is in your DNA here and that's where this is you know uh, or at least that's what they wrote about you I'm like saying yeah I could see that geez protest you're out pushing this is you're you're pushing the limits here to bring awareness to a lot of different things. But here it is. I saw this as the blackbird, this ominous thing, uh, always going to be present. And you need to respect to what the blackbird has with the black. Because, you know, the crow, the blackbird, right? That's something that it is always there. And and I felt like you were saying there, there's a certain level of respect that uh, you all need to recognize here in our in our ever presence. Was I right about that? When I read that, when I I was just thinking like you know the blackbird like not like the Beatles blackbird sings in the dead of you know all that but I thought about that and I thought what does that symbolize and it actually is it's it's a powerful image there and I, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, mine was simple. It, it, when when that song came out, it, all of that you know the single was already picked, so that was not on purpose at all. Um, but just that, just that, yeah. So mine, mine was just very simple and, and really not intense, but you know, that song did start the project. Um, when we did start talking about just wanting to do something that really just stripped everything back and went back to basics and focused strictly on my voice. And so when we started to try to build that and see what it looked like, um, that was one of the first songs that I had brought to Chris uh, because I just had always been such a fan of it. Um, of course, Nina, you know, in general, but, but that particular song and, and I'd always wanted to cover it. I just didn't, you know, it just hadn't quite revealed itself. And so that's what started that. I took the song to, to Chris and I actually laid the demo vocal right there. And he's like, I love this, this is great. Um, Lay the demo vocal, which turned out to be the vocal. That's the only song on the album that um, we didn't do live, you know, recording. I had had this demo vocal and and then the guys came and, and had to play around that, which is a weird thing because that song has, you know, you listen to it, there's absolutely like no beat, so, you know? <laughs> where it comes in, where it does, it's all over the map. So that was quite interesting. Um, so that was the first song that I brought, but it didn't necessarily start the, the project. Nobody's Sweetheart actually started. I, I was like, I was like, okay, like the next question, Nobody's Sweetheart. So, okay. 
it makes my job so much easier see? when you, when, try, when you see the list of questions I have. Uh, I'm making up for the for the um, nothing compares to your... <laughs> So yeah, nobody, nobody. Well, I like, I was, I, but that was the next question. So okay, go ahead. <laughs> makes so my job so much easier. Chris brought, wow. Chris brought that one to me, and I was like. I got this song, I, I, I need a demo, a song, okay. Pulls out, you know, guitar, sings it for me. I said, that's really, I like that song. I said, okay. So I went and did the demo for it. And he starts playing it for people. And I'd really never done jazz, before, you know, before. Um, and he starts, yeah, he starts playing it for people and I'm, at that time, you know, I'm doing like the wasteland job and <laughs> all of that. And he starts getting like, you know, nice reactions and people really loving the whole, the whole thing and the whole vibe. So that's, you know, where it sort of became like, maybe we do strip everything back and really get bare and, and see what we come up with. Take all the bells and whistles away, and let's let's go back to what it was, you know, making it be back about your voice. So that started the play. and then Trombone Shorty, you know, comes in and does uh, his thing on it. So, well, uh, you like, I mean, did you? Am I completely off in this vibe? I don't think so. But how I viewed or experienced the record the imagery and i mean i can just close my eyes and I'm, I'm seeing the story of this you know flatlands of america and all these things happening around and all of this darkness and love and still we're here and i'm showing you different aspects of your own mind death beauty you know I think you've nailed. I think you've nailed the album. And, and yeah, no, I, I I love hearing your your thoughts and your word choices and your your um your vision of it. Yeah, and, and the pain and the you know the, the the pain of it all, the beauty of it all. You know the 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 the, the mixture of 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 all of that. Um, so there was there's a band called the Narcotics. Okay. okay. There are two girls from Brooklyn. Well, it's it's two girls and, and three dudes. They're all best friends. They're the children of West African immigrants. And they made the craziest, most spiritual mother the universe pagan record of all time, right? Oh my god, let's check them out. And they gave me feelings. Okay, I can't focus on the words and really get any visual out of them. Okay, you, that's all I get is beautiful, very vivid, well-drawn pictures of, a, of, a, of a, an amazing story that you're telling. I mean, yeah, you are the American songbook. If there was a, hi, the queer black woman American songbook, this is it. You know, it, it is this record. The, the narcotics are like completely the opposite of something that you can't really tangibly 
grasp. You just have to feel it. And I did this experiment because I'm crazy that way. And I did this and I, I told them this, I, I put them on shuffle with you, put their records and your record together and on shuffle. And it became so powerful of what I, what they made me feel. And then what you were like causing me to vision and to see, it just became so intense. I had to stop it at about five songs in. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm going to go check them out. I've got, I've gotten out of an interview, one more interview up right now after you, and then I'm going to go play them. What's your favorite? What do I listen to? By the, the their album is called Mommy Issues. Okay. Narcotics, N-A-R-C-O-T-I-X, Mommy Issues. Okay. Any particular song? Uh, just put it on and push play. Okay. 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 Because they, they have some of the same Grace Jones elements in there, but they have Kate Bush elements in there as well. They're just in, in the sound, but you're deliver what you give us are two very different things, but so extreme, so powerful. It's, it was like, I had to push stop because it was <laughs> wow. so strong. Right. Um, now I'm just going to climb on. Now I said, we're going to get to that. Beware the woman. I understand it was the story of what came through Harlem and all of that. And I, I understood there it was in the Porgy and Best thing and all that, but why this is the Western, this is the bad gunfighter comes through town villain. You've all of a sudden taken a woman and made her so powerful and so evil at the same time. She's a Fen Fatale meets the gunfighter. <laughs> She's the Fem Fatale meets the gunfighter of the old Western yeah talk about yeah. that because that was the winner i'm gonna play us out with that by the way but she's dangerously beautifully fucked up and yet she's strong as hell she's a badass um, powerful but is she is she in control or is she a loose cannon i think she's a bit of i think she's a bit of both <laughs> she's a bit of because of what she does to the vic her victims is like, look, we have no control. We will fall at her feet. Okay. I know that. <laughs> and she knows and, it. Yeah. She knows, she knows it. it. But is she calculating or is she just, I'm running through town and I, uh, leaving a, a, a trail of dust behind me? Well, I think she's extremely calculated. Okay. So she's the femme fatale. She's the femme fatale. Extremely calculated. Yeah. The femme fatale meets the bad gunfighter, the evil guy in the West. The evil. <laughs> but it's Harlem, though, right? Tell, tell me the setting of the story of who this woman is. You know, that beware, uh, Water Dead or Alive is, is, is the original. Right, yeah, yeah. Dead or Alive, but yeah, Beware the Woman, yes. Yeah, so when that came, I had never heard the song. And, you know, it's much faster. Oh, I had. I knew the song. That's what I was like, yeah. oh, that's where this one's coming from. But how she does it is a totally different planet. Yeah, I had, I had never heard it before, so I wasn't familiar. And you were know, going through so many songs and so much material, trying to, you know, pull what, what it is we wanted. And I heard it, and I wasn't familiar with it, but it just didn't really do anything, you know, for me. I didn't get that feeling, you know, that I really wanted to reinterpret or, you know, it didn't really call out to me right away. And then we start listening to the, like the, the little choir piece at the end. And we, we start building on that. And the next thing you know, it's just like, okay, we slow the tempo down. 
And then it started just beginning to take on a life of its own, like this darker Gothic, you know, life. I, mean, I, I want to meet this woman, but I'm not sure how well I hold up against her, you know. <laughs> She's a badass. She is. But I think she'd like to. I think she'd like to. So yeah, we start building and that's, that's where it went. And then once it took that life on, you know, then it just really started to feel like, it, you know, we were making it mine. And that's when it really started to feel personal and, and, and like it was mine. So that energy that I, you know, was missing before, really connecting to it, just began reveal itself is she one of your characters separate is she one of your characters separate from you or is she a character that is in you like would you become her or is she become you because mm. some of what i see there when you're so chaotic and screaming and, and punk as fuck on stage that's not her right no this yeah. is more like I'm auntie, but even more badass because I've got the black hat, the black Stetson hand rolled cigarette and the long trench coat. And believe me, if looks could kill, I'd take care of it kind of thing. Right. That's this woman. Is that <laughs> is that one that you would become or is that just a part of you? <sighs> you gave me a lot, by the way. Can you tell? <laughs> when when i i listen to this record so you can understand why i'm like pestering jim i'm like dude oh she's sick what the fuck how irresponsible <laughs> she got sick wait what she's got she's like fuck she'll be on a flight no you can't fucking do that to me yeah so did it go back and forth i'm glad i got you now <laughs> oh yeah no we're good he's just like great i got this interview out of the way jeremy will leave me alone for a few weeks so <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, you gave I, me a lot. Thank you so much. I love your vision of, of, of the album. And yeah, thank you. A am I writing your biography or something? Or <laughs> and yeah, we'll, we'll maybe, you, maybe you should have given it a listen. Oh, honey, I've given it to everybody. I've given it to a lot of friends already. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. So you don't know who she is yet. Who the, the femme fatale. You don't know who the woman is that we're supposed to be aware of. All right, I'll let you think about that. Um here's here's my final question because you're you're gonna be a hit among all the gay men that I can push you in front of. Uh because they, they love their divas and I love sending hey, here's a new diva. And this one's gonna be but you're also not just a diva, you're also of the community so you know welcome anyway but yeah my question is for you here in utah we have the largest rate of lgbtq suicides in young people wait back up were you in farmington in 1987 Did, were you living there at that time i was okay then i was there in 1987 once so hey i once shared space with you and oh wow this, yeah far out so anyway um I just thought about it because when I, I lived in Monticello, and I, there was just a lot of, oh, it was terrible, the, the, the homophobia and that. But here in Utah, we have so much of it. What would your message be to the young? Because this is where you were. You were that, the young religious kid. What, the young queer kid in 
in the closet, who's afraid, who's in that vulnerable state, what would you tell that young person? What would I tell that person? Looking back at me, I would tell them there's absolutely nothing more beautiful than you and exactly your, who you are, how you feel, who you are, what you are, what you wanna be. Um, you are in your most perfect form. You know, you forget that when you're continuously being judged and ridiculed and, you know, um, not accepted, told to change, told you're not normal, you know, somebody else's version of, of normal. Um, yeah, you're the most beautiful and, and don't stop for a second trying to change to fit anyone's normal. You'd be exactly who you are. Thank you, Miss Marley. Thank you. I, I, I'm feeling like just so like huge warm fuzzies, like I've talked to some spiritual portal in the <laughs> you, really, you gave me a lot. I, I, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm in love with all of it. So thank you. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna play us out with uh, Beware the Woman and uh, everybody else, please go check out uh, Black Acid Soul by Lady Blackbird, also um, known as Marley Monroe. And thank you so much for your time, Marley. Everybody else, take care. Bye, be good. Bye. Thank you. Everybody else, take care. Be good to each other and let music do awesome in your lives. And thank you so much, Miss Marley Monroe, for that. Thank you, everybody else, for tuning in. This is Beware the Stranger off Black Acid Soul. Special thanks for Marley for uh, Lady Blackbird for appearing on the show and uh, special thanks to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for letting us use the theme and song of Sticky Jazz. Have a nice week, everybody. She's wanted Dead or alive Distinguishing features She got cold and shifty eyes I said she's wanted Dead or alive Distinguishing features She got cold and shifty Shifty She'll lead you on With her words so soft and sweet She'll rob you of your pride And then sweep you off your feet She'll wine and dine you You're the one to When she makes her getaway So beware the stranger Lurking in your town Tired, dark and handsome Y'all beware your heartbreak And I said she's wanted Dead or alive Distinguishing features She got cold and shifty eyes
This is 